Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you out this morning. Those joining us online, we're so glad that we have that opportunity to be in your homes and to be in your cars. Those of you who are new to MCC this weekend, it is great to have you here. If you haven't stopped by the new here table out in the lobby or met one of us, I hope that you'll hang around for just a minute after the service and let us encourage you and welcome you and invite you to be back next week. Well, David mentioned all of the life change that's going on among our students downstairs in Clubhouse, right? Last week was Kids Camp, and at the end of Kids Camp, Brandon mentioned to you the 20 or 30 elementary kids that that lodged on paper their desire to take a next step, whether that be in baptism, whether that be in serving in some way, learning more about God. But it's not only the young, but it is the older who are experiencing God in new ways. Maybe you just pulled out your Bible after years of letting it sit. Maybe you grew up in church, but it didn't really mean much to you until you've come to a moment in life where something has brought you back and you've been in God's word with us this year and God's doing things in your heart and you're just trying to figure out what your next step is. Well, you're in the right place because later in the service, we take time to hear from you what you are thinking about and what God's been prompting you to do. It's called our next steps area. And at the end of the message, you'll be invited to just make your way back there. Uh, you don't have to come and be up front, but make your way back there where one of us will pray with you and help you take your next step. Well, turn with me again this week to the book of Nehemiah found in the Old Testament. Last night, there were a couple of older ladies. Saturday night's crowd is pretty young, but we do have some older ladies in the crowd. If you're a widow, Saturday night is the place to be. They fill up a whole section back there, and those girls have a great time. I think they were out past 8 o'clock last night. <laughs> they were having such a good time. But two of those ladies were on their way out last night. One of them looked over at the other. I just happened to be standing back there. I always stay up here. I, back when I first started preaching, I was taught, you go back to the door and you shake everybody's hand. Well, I got too many rude comments, so I just decided to stay up here. And last night, same thing. A couple ladies were on their way out, and, and one of them said to the other, said, my, that, that preacher certainly preaches for a long time. And the other woman said, well, not, not really. That was only 20 minutes. It just seemed like longer, Right? Right? We joke about that, and sometimes when our services run 70 minutes or so, sometimes we're sitting there and we're like, oh my goodness, am I ever going to get out of here? We, we start to feel a little bit dozed, right? A little bit like we're going to go to sleep. And if you're one of those people, please find a chair with arms on it, because we don't want you falling out on the floor. It's disruptive, Right? But there's those times when we, when we feel that way. How would you like to be in a service that goes on for six hours and that's just the scripture reading? And, and not just scripture reading for six hours, but everyone in the crowd actually stands the entire time, right? It would make my 30 minutes seem like five to you. But this is the scene we find in Nehemiah chapter 8. 
as the focus moves, last week we talked about Nehemiah going right, and what did he rebuild? He rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, the city of God's people that had been destroyed 70 years earlier when the Babylonians came and took them into exile. Nehemiah got permission. He went back to rebuild the wall. And this week in chapter 8, we're introduced to Ezra, Ezra the priest, Ezra the scribe, who is now back from captivity himself. And his role, the focus shifts from rebuilding the wall to spiritual renewal, spiritual revival among the people. And at the very center of this revival, what did we find this week as we read from God's word? That we find God's word right there in the center of this revival. And I want you to think about that when it comes to your life. You see, over the centuries, God's people has gone, have gone through this cycle. That's one of the important reasons why we go back and, and we look at the beginning chapters of God's people like we're in right now. But over the centuries, we have been all excited and all into God's word. And it's been a time of revival and excitement and people's lives are being changed. And then slowly, slowly, we put that word to the side. God's people experienced leadership like King Manasseh and his son Amon, who it, it was as if God's word didn't even exist. But then Amon's son, Josiah, comes on the scene and as a teenager, he had the word of God brought out of storage, and he called the nation to repentance and revival. Restoration ensued because God's word was obeyed. The same thing has happened in the 15th century, the 15-1600s. It was called the Reformation Movement, as for decades... The Catholic Church and others had set God's word aside and it began to be more about liturgy. It began to be more about tradition. And so the Reformation movement occurred to bring God's word back out, to make it available to people. And then in the 1700s, we had the Restoration Movement that started right in our backyard over in Kentucky. Bill Stone's great uncle, right? Bill's just one generation or two removed from that great awakening in the 1700s. Think about that. <laughs> but I see it happening in the church today. Think about what's going on around us right now over the last seven months as we have, we always make God's word a priority, but, but how many of you have begun reading God's word this year Simply because we said, let's do this together. And what's that do? It stirs in us. It changes us. It brings life change. We've seen, I don't know how many baptisms here. How many recommitments. How many who have come and said, I have always trusted God, but I've not trusted his church. And I understand that to love God is to love his church. And so we're going we're gonna to invest here. We're going to make his church, we're going to make worshiping him a priority again in our life. Just bringing out God's word brings about change, revival, restoration. And that's what we see happening in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. 
reading from verse 1, it says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. There's several things about this. I, I was at a funeral this weekend that my dad actually led. Uh, it was his first funeral. He's 83 years old, and he was asked to conduct a funeral for his uncle. M many have thought my dad's been in ministry all of his life because he's such a great Sunday school teacher in his church and so involved. But they asked him because the preacher was too long-winded. And so the preacher, when he got up after that, his job was to read the obituary bill. He turned that obituary into a 20-minute message, right? But there's several things here I want you to notice. All the people came together as one. God wants us to be together. And he wants us to be together when we break open his word. He wants us to see the life response of the people around us. He wants us to learn about him and follow him together. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Isn't that just great that they asked for the reading of God's word? One of the greatest compliments that came as a criticism the first year I was preaching here was a woman. She sat right over here. She came up to me after the service. She said, that's a great service, but you used way too much scripture. I was just beginning to preach, and I just looked at her. I, I was transparent, just like I always am. And I said, lady, there's nothing else I got to say. Get used to it. But the people asked that the word of God be brought out. And then it gets into detail here. It says, the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. These are not Moses' words. These are God's words. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of, listen to this, men, women, and all who were able to understand. He read it out loud from daybreak till noon. That's where the six hours comes from. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. Why repeat that twice? Because it's important. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The book of the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, the book of creation. Exodus, the book of God leading his people out of captivity. It's the book of redemption. Leviticus, instructions for us, God's people, how to live a life that, that stands apart from the world. How we're to be a holy people, just as God is holy. Numbers, the years of wandering. And how many of us have spent years wandering because we were unwilling to apply the word of God to our lives. And finally, the book of Deuteronomy that outlines the covenant relationship God has with his people. And all of these books, they're relevant because they lay the foundation for the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, the covenant that has been given to us. This is what was brought before the people and read out loud, the word of God. And they recognized it and they respected the fact that God had given the spoken word to Moses and therefore it should be given authority in their life too. My friends, don't misunderstand. 
Yes, the Bible is the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it is all relevant to our lives today. It should be given our respect. It should be given our attention. Today we have the full counsel of God's word. Genesis through Revelation. You see, God's word, it carries the full weight of God's power and authority. It carries the full weight of God's power and his authority. From daybreak until noon, six hours, the people stood and listened attentively. I'm looking around here for somebody that's got like some really strong legs. Can you stand up for me? Yeah. Yep, stand up for me right there. Now, somebody's going to hand you a Bible there. That's, there's one in the seat backs and stuff right there. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to take that home with you, all right? But you just stand there. That's your only job. You just stand there. You good? All right. You, you just stand there. Great. Six, or six hours. We're going to see how long you can hold out. <laughs> But from daybreak till noon, these people stood and they listened attentively. What, what does attentively mean to you in today's world? It, it means that they weren't looking at their smartphones. That, that, that's one of five reasons why I want you to use God's word. Yes, it's on your smartphone. And if that's all you've got, that's really, I'm glad you've got it. And I like mine because it reads it to me when I'm in the car. But for goodness sakes, do yourself a favor. And take one of these hardbacks home with you today. Order you one on the internet and get it and make notes in it. Do like I have done in my Bible. I've had to type, tape it back together several times. I can feel my way through the pages, not because I'm a preacher, but because I've had the Word of God in my hands since I was a kid. And I encourage you to do the same thing. But they weren't distracted. They weren't looking out the window to see what storm is coming through. They weren't looking at Sam Gillis's leg. Sam, Sam, one of our teenagers, he came to church last Saturday night wearing baby blue shorts that were about as tight as saran wrap on him. <laughs> last night, there he is right there. He, <clears throat> I didn't know you were in here this morning. Now everybody's gonna be looking at his legs when he gets up to communion. But that's the point, right? God's word is to be center stage, not Sam Gillis's legs. Unless you're, unless you're a single female, maybe a widow, he's the man for you. He'll bring new life. <clears throat> the people took it all in from daybreak till noon. And listen, they let it find its way to their heart and soul. God's word in the book of Psalms says is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Folks, when you're out at night, what do you need? You use a light. Otherwise, you're going to trip all over yourselves. You walk into a dark room, you're going to fall down, you're going to embarrass yourself. And the same thing happens when God's word is not applied to our life. When we do not use it as the lamp for the path that we should be walking. It's a lamp for our feet. Timothy said all scripture is God breathed and it's useful. It's useful for teaching others. It's useful for rebuking. It's useful for correcting it's useful in training to be like Christ. 
John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's Word carries the full weight and authority, power of God. Verse 2. Verse 2 is clear that God's Word is understandable. God's Word is understandable. It's intended to be that way. People of every age, men, women, and children were present for the reading of God's word and were able to understand. One of the many things that I believe about our Christian, uh, about our children and student ministries here is that we don't provide daycare for the 60 or 70 minutes that you're upstairs. If you attend a church and your church provides a daycare, Go back to them and insist that no matter the youth of our children, that they should be read God's word, that they should sing songs of God's word. That's what goes on downstairs for the entire time they're down there, whether they're playing a game, whether they're going to stations. Those of you who are parents know this. Those of you who don't have kids down there, you may not know this, but do you know that after they sing songs of God from his word after they hear a teaching from God's word very similar to what's up here except it's only 10 minutes wouldn't you like to have just 10 minutes of that but at the end of that time they have five five stations six stations downstairs and I happened to be standing by one of the stations just a few weeks ago and it's a table and it's got a little slip of paper on it and on that slip of paper it says I want to know more and you can check the boxes I want to know about more about baptism I want to know more about being part of this church family by serving others da, 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 da. and so during that five minutes that we're taking up here for communion and we're all thinking about what else we want to do you know what the kids are doing down downstairs they're focused in they're over here at another station taking communion they're at another station laying down their 10 cents or their two dollars or whatever their cheap parents gave them to put in the offering plate <laughs> let's see some hundreds parents make them feel good about their gift and then tell them when they want something oh you gave it to the lord last week okay <laughs> But you get my point, right? They, they, were, they are engaged, and I love that. I love it about our student ministries. We've tried it all. We've seen it all. And you know what works? When you give students some meat and potatoes to eat and chew on. I'm not talking about the meal on Saturday night. That's great, and that's important. I think more of the adults enjoy it than the kids do. But to sit down and focus on this, we have students that know more about God's word. My daughters are two of them. It's not because of me. It's because that's what goes on in our ministries here. It's not a daycare. We are training today's followers of Christ. See, when children listen to the word of God, they're equipped to face a perverse world at school. They're equipped to to face a perverse world at college. They're trained to face a perverse world at home and in their community. Verse 8, <coughs> they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. After all these years, People still come up to me and they say, you make it so simple and straightforward. And my response is, it's not supposed to be any other way. 
And some of you come from backgrounds where it is another way. You've sat through messages that in the old days were spoken in Latin. Who in the world speaks Latin? And let me tell you why that is. It's so that this person right here can be bigger than everybody else. I'm the only one who understands God's word. You want to know something about it? You just listen to me. It's wrong. And it's just as wrong as those who get up today in the pulpit and are so pious they want to use words this big. And you want me to use words like that? I can pull them out. But I don't use those at Walmart. Why would I use them here? And if that's what your itching ears want to hear, there's plenty of places that do that, and there's about 35 of them gathered waiting to die. But here, even in the Old Testament, God's word was spoken so it could be understood. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because that's the way it's intended to be. For four hours, six hours, the people stood and listened attentively as Ezra stood and opened the book. Verse 6 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen. Let's practice that. All the people lifted their hands. Yes, your hands can go up, right? Some of your shoulders may be locked right now. We'll break them loose. Some of you just, oh, I'm just going to raise one hand. Get both of them up in the air. <laughs> they lifted their hands. So these people are standing for six hours. They got their hands up in the air. And what did they say? Amen. Amen. Somebody came. You can lower your hands. I don't want anybody passing out. <laughs> Somebody came up to me that's fairly new to the church, came up to me after service. Or we were getting to lunch or doing something one day. I have no idea what I did yesterday. But anyway, they said, uh, <coughs> I really wanted to say amen during the service, but I was afraid it would throw you off. <laughs> well, that's probably true because nobody ever says amen. <laughs> unless we're talking about politics. But all the people said amen. Do you know what amen means? So be it. May what you've said be true in my life would be another interpretation of that. God's word always provokes a response, my friends. Will you respond? Amen. How do you? How do you respond to the word of God each day as you read it yourself? Let me tell you what I've started doing. And I, did you hear me? I've started doing. I, the things that I say to you, my friends, are not things that I have mastered. They are things that I believe with all of my heart. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just like you. I'm trying to apply them. I'm trying to not be embarrassed of my actions because I'm doing something new. I told the staff several months ago, I hope people will start thinking that we're turning into a Pentecostal church. <laughs> Because their preacher will actually take his hands out of his pockets and acknowledge God and not worry about who's standing behind him. And if you think that's Pentecostal, it's because that's who we've been. We've been too stiff. We have not responded to God's word. And you say, that has nothing to do with, you're right. This has nothing to do with whether we're praising God or not. 
This does. And when this starts praising him, the rest of us can't stop. That's why the rocks in scripture are said to even cry out. God's word always provokes a response. Nehemiah breaks that response down. First it says, Ezra, praise the Lord, the great God. What does that mean? We must acknowledge that the Bible is God's word. This isn't Ezra being just a great deliverer. This isn't about hermeneutics or hudetutics or whatever. This is about the Bible being God's word. It isn't the word of Joseph Smith. It isn't the word of men who got together and formed a religion. It's the living and active word of God that Hebrews 4.12 says is to penetrate the heart of God's created. His word is above all. That's why Ezra stood on a platform. Not because he's better than anybody else. He stood on a platform because God's word is to be elevated above all else. Not my opinion, not your opinion. His word. And so he stood on a platform so the people could see his word. So that they could hear his word, not him. Ezra praised the Lord. He acknowledged that these words, just like that first couple of years, are God's words. They're not his. They're not his interpretation. It's the word of God. The people, they lifted their hands. And I, I appreciate you guys being game for that a minute ago. All right. I got some marbles. I better not throw those. All right. He not only has legs, he's got a hand. All right. Oh, did you see that? What was that? Wouldn't you like to know, huh? Whoa, man. I know it. I blacked the lady's eye last night. You better pay attention, right? Listen, that's why they had their hands raised. I, I was in the church one time, first time I ever saw somebody raise their hands in worship. I was like, they got a question. They should be asking the question right in the middle of church. Why would the people have their hands raised? So they can catch it. They're open to it. Were you not taught that? That you don't sit with your arms folded and all of you sit with your arms folded like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's a habit. But you know, I was told to break that habit. You know why? Because when you're sitting like this, you're saying, no way. No way. But when you're like this, it means one of two things. One, one is I want to catch it. Right? I was at a ball game this weekend. I, never, I, I hate ball games. I was at a ball game. We even paid to get in there. It was awful. <laughs> but when they come out and they start throwing T-shirts, right, shooting T-shirts out of the can, and they start throwing those little fake baseballs out there, what's everybody do? They're up there catching it. The other thing this means is what? I surrender. You adults know what that means. It's right before you got arrested and they put your hands this way. <laughs> it means one of two things. But the thing is about God's word is you've got to be ready. You've got to be paying attention. That's why the people stood. That's why they raised their hands, acknowledging that they wanted that word. 
And if you're not ready, you're going to miss it. And sometimes his word, that's that fart slime that you can push. That's why I left the container up here. You can push it in there and make the fart sound, Scott. But you, but you couldn't hold on to it, right? Somebody behind you got it, and she's just working that stuff. But look, the thing that I want you to, please, just, it makes sense. This, this slimy stuff, sometimes God's word's hard to get a hold of. You may have your hands out there. You may be grabbing for it. And at first, it just doesn't seem, seem right. You lay that on a, uh, on a piece of paper, and by the end of the service, it will have soaked into that piece of paper. And listen, when God's word is a little, little weird like that, hard to grab hold of, catch, meditate on it. Let it soak in. Sometimes God's word is hard like those marbles. It hurts. It hits us. And sometimes tears come to our eyes. We're about to see that here in Nehemiah. It's okay. It's not intended to hurt you. But it is intended to change you. You can sit down. You have been so good. Let's give him a, let's give it, you, oh. You've been good. It kind of makes a difference though when you're standing, doesn't it? Right? It kind of makes, see, you're not even paying attention to me now, right? It's all. <laughs> But you know, when you're standing up, I ought to have all of you stand up. Be really good. You know what I mean? Sometimes God's word's got those little bumps on it, and it just kind of just you can you can put your hand on it, you can get a good grip on it. The people they lifted their hands. They anticipated what was coming. They connected. Verse six says they responded, Amen, Amen. Men, may it be in my life as you have said. And I want you to think about what Ezra was reading them from the law, from the Old Testament, the first five books. He was saying things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. And what was the people's response? They raised their hands and they said, let it be in my life. God, I want to love you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. Amen. May it be. And I'm sorry, God, that it hasn't been. And as he continued, and the God of your ancestors will go before you and fight for you, the people raised their hands and they responded, please go, please, God, please fight for me and go before me in this situation. <coughs> Tell me, when you hear God's word read and it says, forgive those who have hurt you, <laughs> no wonder we don't raise our hands. Rid yourselves of all sexual sin. You, you mean the woman I've been shacked up with? We can't be in the same bed anymore? Bring the first 10% into the storehouse. Lord knows I ain't saying amen to that. It's not about saying amen. It's about a heart response. God, may it be so. As you've said, verse six concludes, they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, to the ground. Kim, would you mind? Kim is one of you adults who is fairly new to the family here. And what a beautiful voice. <laughs> but who God is moving and saying it's safe 
you can be involved, you can serve me. And what a great job she did. And what she's doing now represents the people's response to God's word. After saying, may it be so in my life, they fell down and they fell prostrate. Not prostate, you get that when you're 50s. But prostrate, that's another word. We use the word prone. And, and I, I bless her heart for doing this before you guys. But see, that's the whole point, is it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. These people laid out before God. And when your face is to the ground, can you look out the window? Are you concerned about anybody else in the room? Absolutely not. Can you fight? Can you run away? Absolutely not. You are surrendered. You are knelt before the one who stands before you, the great I am, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And you are saying, I am all yours. Listen, you having trouble applying God's word in your life? Thank you, Kim. Bless your heart. Thank you. That was so sweet of you. I don't know anybody else's name up here. I would have called them. <laughs> but you're saying, God, you know, when you're, when you're in those moments and you're, you're trying to figure it out, get everything out. Go privately. Lay down. There's been times that I've laid down right here in the dark of this room. Scared the cleaning lady to death. They bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalm 51:17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, you won't reject. <laughs> you won't despise. Verse 9, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the scribe, the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They were weeping. <laughs> My friends, when we catch God's word, when we allow it to penetrate our heart, when we have laid before him prostrate and said, have your way with me, sometimes tears come. Oh, they may not flow on the outside, but they're flowing on the inside. And what's Nehemiah saying here? He's not saying, or Ezra, Nehemiah, he's not, Ezra, he's not saying, suck it up, right? He's saying, look, what you've experienced is exactly what God is after. He's after your heart. That's what repentance is. You have turned to him. You don't have to stay that way. You're a new creation, the New Testament tells us when we come to Christ and we lay ourselves before him in baptism. The old is gone, the new has come. Get up, go get something to eat. Celebrate. Notice though, don't keep it to yourself. Give it to the people who weren't prepared for this, that are now experiencing this. Go along, feed with them, celebrate with them. That's why we clap the way that we do. It was funny. It's funny, uh, someone who was visiting here recently, we should do more explaining of why we do certain things. Try to do our best, but don't always catch it. When someone comes to the Lord here and they um, have already been baptized and they want to be part of the church family, we ask them one thing, and that is to stand before what will be their church family and to repeat the profession of faith that they made when they were baptized. And that profession is, I believe... Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I've accepted him as Savior 
and Lord of my life. Now, I want you to listen to what that sounds like. If you were brand new, hadn't been in the church, I, I don't know of any other church that does it that way, right? Usually, it's just the person standing here. But several years ago, something happened in this church, right? And one person began it, several others, and it's a thing that we do now. It's like us saying, on this, we believe. On this, we are centered. On this, we build as a church. But think about what that sounds like to a new person that walks in. That person walked out of service and said, I think it's a cult, <laughs> right? Everything was fine until they started repeating these words. And, and the way we do it, it, it sounds kind of like that, right? It's kind of monotone. <laughs> go and enjoy. Go and celebrate. It's why we clap. It's why we, it's why we celebrate so. Last night, there were fox whistles. I mean, baptism after baptism was celebrated last night. And people were just rattling the walls, it's the third lesson that we learn from Ezra and Nehemiah here. God's word brings repentance, but also renewal and strength to the soul. This day, he said, is sacred to our God. Do not grieve. The intent of God's word, God's law, is to not make you weep. It's not intended to put you down and to leave you there. It's not intended to punish you or to chastise you. Even though God's word does convict and his Holy Spirit does convict as it brings to light our sinfulness and that is right and that is true and it will always do that. But God's word communicates a path forward. God's word always communicates a path forward. It doesn't leave you there. Its intent is to bring life change, a focus beyond ourselves. That's why this day was declared sacred to the Lord. It marked the turning of the hearts of God's people back to him. Just as this day is sacred to the Lord today, when you surrender your life to him and when you turn back to him. And that's what I believe God's teaching us here in chapter 8 of Nehemiah. God's word, it carries the full weight and power of God's authority. It's to be respected. And I don't mean respected in the sense that you don't lay this on the floor or that you don't mark in it. I'm talking about respected in the sense that when it is read, you listen. Respected in the sense that when you know what God's word says, you do it. It's the amen of your life. It's so. You make it so in your life. God's word is the foundation that we're to be built on. God's word demands a response. And that response, he settles for nothing less than complete surrender. Complete surrender of our lives. And what's the result? Refreshing. <laughs> Renewal. The indwelling of God's spirit. Joy. Did you catch that in Scripture? The joy of the Lord is my strength. What's that mean? It means God living in you. His love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Jonah's faithfulness, right? Self-control and all those other things. That's the joy of the Lord. Is your complete surrender and obedience to his word, him living inside of you. His word provides a clear path Forward And as you read the remaining chapters of Nehemiah, as you read them as part of our reading this week, what did you notice? Chapter 9? Chapter 9, the people confessed their sin. Do you want to know what confession looks like? Look at chapter 9. And realize it's, it's laying before God, just you and God. 
those things that his word has pointed out that are in error in your life. They aligned their marriages to God's word. They acted on it. They didn't just put it here and regurgitate it to somebody else. They aligned their marriages. They aligned their families with God's commands. They brought their first fruits to the Lord. And the same thing occurred in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, if you know where to find that, it's towards the back of your Bible. But I want you to stand with me now for the reading of God's word all together. Peter reads to them the Old Testament book of Joel. You may not have realized that, but yes, much of the New Testament, the writers under God's, uh, God's power and his authority, his influence, they write down these things that he wants spoken through his word. And what do they do? They go back and they grab scripture from the Old Testament. And that's what Peter did in his first sermon. He went back and he spoke from Joel, the words of David that prophesied of Jesus who had now come and been crucified and buried and had risen from the dead. In verse 37, you remember what it says? I think it's on the screen, right? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? God's word, what? It provokes a response. The reading of Joel, the reading of David in the Old Testament, it provoked a response. They asked, what shall we do? And what did Peter say? Repent. Turn to God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive. We say it wrong all the time because it's the part that we want. You'll receive eternal life. My friends, you're going to live eternal whether it's in heaven or hell. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's indwelling in you the joy of the Lord. And this is for all the people. It's for you. It's for your family. That's why it's so important that God's word be part of your family. Because every man, woman, and child can have this if they will respond. And that's your opportunity today. You've heard the reading of God's word. You've stood out of respect for it. You've hopefully allowed its way into your heart. Now it's time to respond. I'll be in the back with David, with others from our prayer team. We'd love to help you take your next step as you've seen so many do.